following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns related. I am your co-host for the day, the ever-so-savory David McGraw, and alongside me is the one, the only, Davin Mitch Krumpetich. What's up? On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Tyson Chandler buyout, the games from this last week, and then, you know, a little bit of story time with David and Mitch. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Before we get into it, I want to do a quick shout-out to Peter, who sat in front of me at the game against the Grizzlies on Sunday. Super cool guy, really nice, big fan. It was it was cool to have another fan who was pretty vocal around. So shout out to Peter, and thanks for checking out the show. All right, so let's just hop right in. Tyson Chandler and the Suns started working for, and they completed the buyout on this, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of weird wording when it was first coming out. It almost sounded as if the buyout was going to happen but hadn't happened yet, but then it did because it seemed immediately that there was talk that he was going to sign with the Lakers because it seemed obvious they had a big hole at backup center. Everyone thinks Tyson Chandler can still play backup center. So, uh, you know, Tyson's no longer on the team. How do you feel about that, Mitch? Well, uh, I'm glad that this happened. Tyson is definitely past his prime, and it was pretty clear that he wasn't really contributing a whole lot to the team. I'm thankful for what he did. I mean, Tyson is a, he's one of those guys that, Everyone in the league seems to like and seems like a really good guy, but just was not doing a whole lot for this team and seemed very frustrated. I think Laker fans, from what I've seen, are a little bit too optimistic because all they've seen of him is the game that they played against him this year where he actually played decently. But what what I think is interesting is... It sounds like we had been trying to buy out his contract for a while now, and it was just like no one was interested in signing him, even if he cleared waivers, until the Lakers realized they had this spot and saw that he can still have 10 points and 12 rebounds or whatever he had against the Lakers. Uh, So Charlie and I were actually talking about this, and a little bit of a conspiracy right here, but... It was interesting to see that Tyson actually gave some effort when we played the Lakers and didn't give a ton against the other teams. So that seemed a little bit like it could have been his audition for the Lakers and then we buy him out and now he's going to sign with them. I don't know if that's true, but I guess I'm happy for him. He didn't really seem to like it here and I'm excited to give Rashawn Holmes some more minutes. Yeah, I think that you know, it was just Tyson's time. I'm pretty sure, or I feel as if 
there was a lot of talk going into this season, specifically when Jared Dudley got traded, that we were trying to buy him out. The reason we didn't buy out Jared Dudley was because he didn't want to give up any of his money, and I don't blame him. It, it was time for Tyson to go. He had he came in as this kind of push to try and get LaMarcus Aldridge to sign here. It didn't work out. He had some good games for us. He had a lot of good highlights, a lot of good moments, but he's 36 years old. He's the... He's the clear backup, and there was a clear drop-off on the court whenever he was out there compared to DeAndre Ayton. So, it was his time. I wish him the best because I always will have a soft spot for him. And uh, let's go Rashawn Holmes. Yep, yep. And then, before we get into game recaps really quick, just some injury updates. Devin Booker missed two games with a hamstring strain, but he came back against the Raptors and is fine. So, no big deal. And TJ Warren was out in the game on Sunday against the Grizzlies with back spasms. But that's it. So, let's... let's. Oh, one other thing really quick. DeAnthony Melton was assigned to the Nor- Northern Arizona Suns for one game and then came back up to the regular Suns. So, no big deal really there. But, games. So, we had three games since the last time we released an episode. The first one was on Halloween against the Spurs. This was in Phoenix. And usually on Halloween, I like to watch a scary movie. I'm a big fan of scary movies. But honestly, this game was scarier than any movie I could have watched. It was a 120 to 90 finish. And if you want to hear a really scary stat, the Warriors scored more points in a half than we did in the whole game this week. So that's pretty terrible. And yeah, this game overall was just terrible. 90 points. We scored 90 points and lost by 30. Pretty much the only bright spot I got is that TJ Warren started and had 21 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from this game was that TJ seems to have got pushed seems to have been pushed into the starting lineup. I'm all in for that, but I think that does hurt our bench. Obviously, um Anderson off the bench Probably better for how he is as a player, but that's really tough. We don't we don't have a guy out there who can just guarantee score. It kind of seems that Josh is that guy now, and Josh can't really guarantee score either. So, really tough. Definitely the scariest thing I watched on Halloween was the Suns' defense. It was. It was awful. But that's enough about that. I don't want to talk about this game at all, because we have much better things to talk about. And last week, we were so negative. So this this week is going to be a lot more positive. But I'll throw this one to, over to you. We lost to the Raptors, but it was more respectable, 107-98. to That was last Friday. So what good things did you see from that game? Yeah, so the big thing from the Raptors game was it was pretty close throughout the game. We actually went into halftime with a lead, it was 52-48. to 48. Obviously, the, Ra- the Raptors are on a completely different level than us, but we came out of the gates swinging, and this was the first game where Tyson did not play, and our bench looked much improved. Toronto Raptors, they have had a really strong bench since last season, but we seem to be able to hold our own a little bit. Just, there was a lot of really good stuff. 
the Raptors are on a different level. They, they've shown that they can just pull away almost at the level that the Warriors can. This Raptors team is absolutely terrifying when Kawhi Leonard is in with them. They can just go on these runs, and the first time I saw it was against the Celtics, and that game they had earlier this season, and the Celtics put it within four or two or something like that, and then the Raptors just blew them out the rest of the way and won by double digits. They're just, they're so talented. I didn't, I was... Not sure how they were going to be able to stay, get more talented than they were last year. And then they got Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And this team is crazy. Pascal Siakam is insane. Has been playing great. And it, it's insane. This team's really good. They're, they're my finals prediction for a reason. We played really well up until the third quarter. Which, third quarter was, I swear, all of always our biggest issue last last season where we just get blown out in the third quarter, and Tom and Tom said it best. The Raptors came out of the third quarter, quarter playing like they knew that if they punched us in the mouth, we were just gonna turn like we were just gonna turn over and just play dead, and that's what we did. The, the score was close at the end of it, one hundred seven to ninety eight. That's pretty close. It's not a twenty point blowout. We only got outscored. We got outscored by ten in the third, three in the fourth. Not too bad, but this was. Over double digits going into the last four minutes, I want to say. It, we crawled back into it to where it was less than 10. And it was basically garbage time. So, the score's a little closer than it looks like. But there were a lot of very, very good things to pull from this game. And energy is one of them. There were. And let's look at some of these stats. DeAndre Ayton, first off. 17 points and 18 rebounds. I, you can't ask for more. That's awesome. That is amazing. He also had two assists with that and two blocks and only one turnover. One of the blocks was on Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry did like a little button hook on the baseline mm-hmm. and DeAndre got switched onto him and he was quick feet, able to stay in front and got a block. Very similar to what he did to De'Aaron Fox in the preseason. Uh, that that Those quick feet are going to help him a ton with we've seen already, but I think we can expect some more blocking of these smaller perimeter guys on these jump shots because he's not necessarily afraid to have to play off of them so much that you can't recover on defense, which is what a lot of these guys are used to. But DeAndre, right. quick feet, massive game. It it was insane that he was able to grab that many rebounds and play that. He played great, and even if... Even when we got pushed down a bit, he still played just fantastic. He did, he did. And so did Devin Booker. Devin Booker had 18 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 8 for 20, so could have been a little bit better, but Booker gets a pass for that every time. This was the return game, too, from the hamstring, so we expected a little bit of rust, and he showed it on the shooting. Yeah, so that's completely fine, but Isaiah Kanan, we gotta talk about him. As much crap as we've given him this season, he played well. He had 19 points along with... He had two assists, one rebound. But he shot 8 for 12 and 2 for 4 from 3. That's You really can't ask for much more from him. That was a good game. And this was his return from that slight ankle tweak That's in right. the Thunder game. That's he set right. out against the Spurs, came back against the Raptors, and... You know... 
he's been hitting shots, and that's great. His defense still leaves a lot to be desired. When and you know that's he's not a defensive guy. He's six foot tall. Right. It's it's tough. You have to be have all level talents and instincts to be able to be a good defender at six foot tall. He does not mm-hmm. have that, but he's getting open shots and he's hitting them. I'm not sure. You know, Kukoshkov when he first got in with the team when he was getting interviewed, a lot of the talk was the point guards that he's worked with and how Rubio was able to up his percentages a ton going to Utah last year and how supposedly Goran Dragic was a big proponent of his growth in his first stint with Phoenix because of Kokoshkov. So, you know, I think that any any point guard can have good offensive numbers in the system, I think, because they're not really asked to do much more than just hit open shots when they have them. And if they're not doing that, then it's just making reads, it feels like. Not taking away from Cannon because he's hitting those shots, which no, <laughs> Shaq would not be hitting these shots. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't, definitely. And the other thing with Cannon is I trust him when he has the ball. Mm-hmm. He only had one turnover in this game, and turnovers have been a big issue for us. I trust Booker with the ball too, but it's uh, it's tough. It, it is tough. I, I think if there's one guy on this team that I trust ball handling the most, it's Isaiah Kanan. I hate saying that, but that's where we're at. Yeah, I don't trust Booker with the ball unless he's looking to score and not looking to try and be point book. Love book. He's just not there. He makes a lot of bad decisions when he's trying to look to facilitate the one he's just looking to score and letting the facilitating come second can and i i'm okay with him having the ball he does seem like he's not trying to play outside of himself he also it really seems from his body language i use some quotes for that you know internet people being body language experts it seems like he's carrying himself as a leader and trying to lead some of these guys and the young guys and the offense in general. So I think he has taken that on himself a bit, and I, I I can appreciate it a ton. For sure. The the only downside of this game, aside from losing, is our bench was not great. Josh Jackson had 11 points on 5-for-8 shooting, along with three rebounds and one assist, which and is not bad. Dunk. And a great dunk. He did it in 12 minutes. So I thought that was interesting to see that he... He really had his minutes limited, and I think that's good for him, though, because we saw last year he needed that little reminder. He was sat in that game against the Rockets, and right after that is when he exploded. And I think sometimes he just needs a reminder. Take take a little bit of a seat, calm down, get in control, and then do your thing. And I think that's what happened tonight. Yeah, well, not really any of our guys off the bench had many minutes and I'm not sure if that was specifically just trying to clamp down on rotations a little bit more, but every every one of the starters except for TJ played thirty plus minutes. Right. And so there really was only ten or so minutes, ten a little over ten minutes for everyone except for Ryan Anderson, who split almost down the middle. TJ Warren's power forward minutes. And then Okobo, who had 16 minutes, which is a higher teens number than 13, 12, 11, 4, you know. Right. So I think that 
just our bench didn't play in general. I don't think they looked necessarily bad when they played, in, especially in the first half. I think they looked fine. There was a lot of energy, but they just, you know, our, our starters played heavy minutes, and we, so we didn't have as many minutes to go around off the bench. Yep. But let's, let's get to the game that we actually want to talk about. Sunday night, Grizzlies come into Phoenix. I really don't like the Grizzlies. We have a weird rivalry with them where we hate them, and I don't know if they hate us, but whatever. We beat them 102 to 100, second win of the season. Extremely exciting game. Devin Booker hits back-to-back clutch game-tying slash game-winning shots. Just no regard for human life whatsoever. Ice in his veins. Every cliche in the book. He just nails two long mid-range shots fading away. Nothing but net. It was so exciting to watch this game. I mean, this this was a fun one. This was a really fun one. This was a really fun game. And I was having an anxiety attack. I was screaming at the TV. I'm still coming down from a headache from the game that I, I had. At one point, I said blasphemy and said that we need to sit Booker if he's going to keep on fouling. I can't which believe is it. I complete blasphemy. It. I, I almost had to resign from the podcast after saying that. So, it, it there was a lot, but there, there was some clutch play in the fourth quarter and our defense clamped down, which is not anything you can say for the Suns. For, ever. A, for ever. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yes, this was great. But I'll go through some numbers really quick. Devin Booker finished with 25 points and 7 assists. He had 5 fouls starting in the 4th quarter. And he played pretty le- reckless. The whole team played pretty reckless, recklessly throughout this whole game. But we just tightened up in the 4th quarter. So 25 for Booker. Trevor Ariza had a good game. He had 16 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. And then Aiton, this was interesting too. DeAndre Aiton had nine points, eight rebounds, six assists, but he got work done on the defensive end. Three steals, two blocks. He was plus four. All our starters were in the plus, actually. And I got to give another shout-out to Isaiah Kanan. 13 points, two assists, two rebounds, plus 10. He also had five fouls, played a little recklessly, but he was four for seven from the field and two for three from three, not playing outside of himself, like you said, David. And it was great. But we got to give a huge shout-out, huge, huge, huge shout-out to Mikhail Bridges. Oh, Oh my my gosh. Oh, my goodness. 14 points, five for six from the field, and four for five from three. And every one of those threes were clutch huge clutch threes that brought us to within three points or two points or whatever or tied the game or tied the game yeah bridges had a great game it was awesome and he played 26 minutes and no one else on the bench played even close to that so oh my gosh what a game what a game yeah so deandre aiden one of the weirder stat lines i think he is going to have it seemed like he was being very passive and he was getting told to look for open guys because almost also show blasphemy. Eddie Johnson. We love Eddie Johnson on the show. Driving me nuts talking in this game, but that's besides the point. 
was kept on saying how Aiden wasn't looking at the basket and was just looking to pass, and it, it caused some issues, had turnovers. But I feel as if that was almost something that was said on purpose to him. We we know there was the talk early in the se- before the season started that we, everyone knows what he can do on on for scoring. Kokoshkov wanted him to be a defensive anchor. He's shown some of that, and this almost seemed as another challenge of we know you can. We know you're great. We know you can go out there and get 15 and 12, or you just had 18 and 18, 17 and 18. Just go out there and look to look at. Let's see what your passing is like. And it was a little rough, but he worked on it on the defensive end, and it it didn't seem like when they tried to attack him defensively that I think Conley hit one or one or two shots on him while Conley was in the game. Right, but so. He just played really well on the defensive end, and I, it was great. You said Kanan as well, but just a solid outing. I, I was really happy with our starters. Ryan Anderson starting's rough, and I think we're realizing that he didn't close the game, but it, that's one lineup I want to see more of. That closing game lineup with Mikhail Bridges in at the three and Trevor Reza playing stretch four. We need more ooh, of that. Ooh, we need good. more of that so much. Oh, it was good. There's so much length in that lineup. Mikhail Bridges, his arms are insane. He had this. He had a block on Marshawn Brooks, and Marshawn Brooks was able to get the ball back and score. Whatever. Just power block. That was great. Power block. He was just yeah. able to get his hand in passing lanes, long arms. Mikhail Bridges is... He, he just needs more. I just I just want to see more of him. I, I know that he just played 26 minutes, but it's just like, more, please more, please more. It, yes, I, I'm with you. It was good. And so we lucked out a little bit. It's going to come back to reality just a tiny bit. Mike Conley did not have a good game. He was three from six from the field. And Mark Gasol did not have a good game either. Two for 13 from the field. Other guys picked up the slack, like Shelvin Mack had 21 points and Dylan Brooks had 17. Okay, if if Shelvin Mack ever does that again this season, someone let me know because <laughs> that's not going to happen. Shelvin Mack is not going to score 21 points very often. So I think we did luck out that Conley and Gasol played so poorly because normally if Shelvin Mack scores 21 points, that's going to be a really, really good thing for the Grizzlies. But it wasn't tonight. And the other thing that we lucked out on is we had 24 turnovers. Yeah, It was bad. And points off turnovers still killing us. But we were able to we were able to weather that by playing actually good defense in the fourth quarter. I cannot think of a time when we played defense like this ever in my time watching the Sun. So something I forgot to mention in the Raptors game, but getting back on defense was there a bit, and Elliot Kobo had some spots where he just fouled the guy instead of letting him get a basket. The getting back there, and it was the same this game, except for I want to say one or two times. Everyone was running back, and yeah, they scored a ton off of turnovers, but we were attempting to get back there, and even if there was we a foul or anything, we were still showing effort there, which is a big deal. Yes, yes. And speaking of effort, I want to bring up something speaking of effort. Rashawn Holmes. This was really... He had he had some 
extended, I guess, minutes in the Raptors game. But this is the first game where Tyson was officially off the roster. And Rashawn played really well for what he was given. He only played 11 minutes, but he had five points, six rebounds, and two assists. And he was only a minus two. In 11 minutes, that is what Rashawn Holmes does. And if he can do that every night, that's amazing. Yeah, he had a great pass to Ariza on a on a backdoor cut that got Ariza a yep. good slam. Yep. And just a, a great little find. Rashawn might not be the smartest basketball guy. He might jump at every pump fake whatsoever. At least he's going out there and giving effort. If a guy's jumping at every pump fake, there's effort there. And Rashawn Holmes right. is all effort. And... You know, he had um, he had an and one where he was able to get the ball in, really jumping up and going for rebounds. Even if he was a minus two, it didn't seem as if it was necessarily all on him. He was giving that effort out there, and I'm so happy right. with what I was seeing, especially after having to watch Tice in the first eight games of this season. Right, right. So he was great. The other thing that was great, free throw shooting. 22 for 26, I'll take that. We were getting the refs called this game very tightly. It was one of the tighter. That's games one way to I've say seen. that. I, uh, that's yeah. I'm trying not to be super negative, but I'm going to leave it at that. They called it tightly, but we hit our free throws. They hit their free throws. They missed eight, so not quite as well as us. But we hit ours when we needed to, and then three point shooting. We shot 14 for 32 for 43.8 percent. When you shoot that percentage from three. Things are going to go well. Yeah, it just opens everything up more. And, yeah, three-point shooting looked good. There were times where it was a little frustrating. Ryan Anderson still can't seem to hit but one shot every game, which is really tough. But, you know, it was was fine. I think that the fact that Mikael Bridges came out of nowhere really helped that three-point shooting. Without him, it would have been rough, but... He showed up where it mattered. It did, yeah. That's true. But I want to say one thing about it getting opened up in regard to Aiton. There were a couple times where Aiton probably should have shot. But I think the majority of the time, Aiton made the right call by finding the open guy because he would get double teamed. And same with Booker. Now, Booker had quite a few turnovers, but there were points where he would get triple teamed and he would have to pass out. And I think Aiton made the right choice and... The problem in the past, well, the problem in the games aside from this game is we weren't hitting threes when Aiton passed out. In this game, we actually hit some of these, and that's that's what Aiton does. That's the point. That's that's what he can do. He can demand so much attention down low and open these guys up. It's it's basic basketball, and we are finally putting that together. So yeah, it was nice. Game nine, Aiton's already causing gravity. And that's a big deal. It was it was able to help a bit. Uh, Mark Gasol wasn't able to just double help and try and trap Booker because Aiton was the role guy. That 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 was big. Right. Right. And yeah, I I think that he could have been more aggressive, um, but he had turnovers and there, he was getting double teamed. There wasn't much else he could do. I I think there were two times where it was like, all right, he should have right. done that specifically, but. I'm not going to complain too much. Some silly rookie stuff, but he's a rookie. Nine games into the his NBA career. He's 
And yes, and he is playing like he's not a rookie. He looks yeah, good. especially having to watch Jaron Jackson right, Jr. So, this game, who had a pretty tough game, right. had quite a bit of fouls. Watching the two, it, obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. is a project player more so than Aiton, but night and day between those two guys when it came to like, oh, this is a rookie and this is a rookie. Well, yeah, it's it was interesting for sure. But we've got some interesting games coming up this week. We are at home against Brooklyn on Tuesday, at home against Boston on Thursday, and then on the road against the Pelicans on Saturday. So, going to be pretty interesting. I think for Aiton, think about the guys he's going to face. Jared Allen, Aaron Baines, and then Anthony Oof. Davis. It's going to be, that, that Anthony Davis one is going to be tough, but the other two matchups I like. So, is there a game of those three that you're looking most forward to? So, I always enjoy watching the Pelicans. I think they're a very fun team to watch in general. Uh, Anthony Davis is great. Drew Holiday is great. I really like their front court right now with Miritich and Randall. Randall coming over in the offseason. I, I think they're a really yeah. fun team to watch. They're going to... I think they're going to kill us, but... I think it's going to be a really good they game, to, fun game to watch just because the Pelicans are a fun team. Plus Alvin Gentry. And you got to have a soft spot for Alvin Gentry. Yeah. But oh, I yeah. think oh, yeah. the most competitive game we'll have is Brooklyn. We we seem to always have some good competitive games. Obviously, we both sucked the last however many years. But D'Angelo Russell is on that team. They've got some fun young guys. They haven't been playing pretty bad this year. They've been playing pretty good. So. No, they... They, yeah, they, they just won yep. recently, I yeah. think. So. Jarrett Allen has looked yeah, little... really good, which I, I like thought that Buck should have drafted him last draft, and instead they drafted a guy that they cut right away. They could really use a center like Jared Allen. Shocker. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the Brooklyn game because it's our best chance to win, and that's usually what I'm excited for. But I'm excited for this Boston game. I know David hates the Celtics, but I kind of like the Celtics. I really like Kyrie. I like watching them. And it's nice that we're playing them early in the season when Gordon Hayward is still trying to get back to his usual self. I'm glad we get to catch them before he is back to 100%. So this one might not be awful. I don't expect to win or anything, but it might not be. Their offense has been pretty rough. Just not a whole lot going on there, and... I think a lot of people jumped the gun a little bit on how good they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be a top three offense and defense. Their defense is fantastic, but their offense is rough. They have a bunch of guys that are basically ISO scorers, and there's not a whole lot of fluidity there. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting for sure. It will. And any chance to boo a Morris twin, <laughs> I enjoy. But on that note, Let's switch it to our non-sports section. We're going to do a little bit of a different section. Since it's episode 150 of the show, we are going to do something special, and we're going to tell the origin stories of of the nicknames that we have on the show. So I, maybe I'll tell yours and you can tell mine. I think that could be Yeah, uh, that's good because I can okay. never remember mine. So. Okay, well, I know it well. And it's, it's kind of disappointing, honestly. So... The, the nickname Savory, Savory David, Savory David McGraw, whatever. Savory comes from, this was probably what, oh, probably close to four years ago now. 
we had all met for the first time. As as many of you know, we all met through a forum that someone submitted on Reddit on RNBA just about starting podcasts, our old network. And we happened to be the three people who signed up and we started talking. And as we started getting to know each other a little bit better, we started adding each other on Facebook. And we were talking one day and we said, oh... I was friends with Charlie on Facebook already. And we said, oh, we need to add David on Facebook. We are like, how do we find you? And you just said, oh, just search my name. Just search David McGraw. It comes up. It's no big deal. And we searched it and we could not find you. And both Chuck and I found some guy who went by Savory Dave. And we just thought that was the funniest thing ever. And we sent a screenshot or something and we just said, is this you? Are you Savory Dave? And then you ended up adding us and it was no big deal. But that name stuck ever since then. And I think that's really funny. But when I tell other people that story, they don't. They're not as enthused as I am. (laughs) I just blocked it out of my memory. I honestly had, I can never remember. There's so many random things that are said and things that we've said in general that I, I mix up the story. So I can never remember, but I I remember you not finding me and thinking it's not, it can't be that hard. I've never looked up my name, but it can't be that hard. Apparently it was that hard, but whatever. Yeah. Well, Charlie and I have a bit more unique names. Rude. We're a little bit easier. A little bit easier to find. (laughs) Yeah, but that's it. So, Dabin Mitch Krumpetich. It was a day like any... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> one of th- one of the things that Mitch is, that we all know and we all love about him, is that he's a memer. <laughs> and, yes. you know, it was obviously a little far into the dabbing craze, but Mitch, Mitch got all in. Just like everything in life, he got in almost at the tail end, but he was 120% <laughs> into the craze. <laughs> And so, that's accurate. yeah, exactly. When was how many vine clumps have you watched in the last week? Like probably thirty-seven. So I'm none, actually, I'm not in the last week. I know I really slowed down on vine. <laughs> of course, he jumped in five years after Vine was dead. But <laughs> anyways, so what Mitch decided to start doing? We we start our video calls. We get ready to record. He starts dabbing up a storm. And, you know, that, that's basically where it went because all we could do, there, there are many of episodes where the beginnings are cut out and redone because <laughs> good old Chuck starts busting up for five minutes because, because Mitch doesn't dab like normal people. He, there's, there's a, there's a form, there is sound effects and i'm not talking like mitch is making sound effects i'm talking that there's a whoosh into the mic whenever he dabs as if there's a gust of wind blowing in his apartment just from the fury of the dab or something like that but he had started it and there there were so many times that i that the beginnings are cut out and redone just because just busting up laughing because chuck couldn't look at mitch in the hangouts call for the longest time while he was doing it because he would just bust up. And there are plenty of times yeah. where we have gone to sync at the beginning of our audio and Mitch has forgot to clap and is just dabbed instead. So 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, the whole goal is to get Chuck to laugh. That's that's when I first started. I just said, oh, I'm, I'm going to make him laugh. And it just stuck. And we've been doing this. I've probably been dabbing when we do the intro for... Over a year. What, close to a year. Over a year. Over a year. And still, every single time, I always look and see a little smirk, and I just look and see if he's going to lose it or not. <laughs> it, it's something special. So, that's it. It's something special, that's for sure. <laughs> yep, that's me. Yep. But, so that's it. Thank you for sticking with us for 150 episodes, but now let's move into the real non-sports section. So, this non-sports section was inspired by... Dia de los Muertos. I went to a great party. Shout out to my friend Melissa who invited me. And it was so much fun. It was so cool. I had never done anything like that. And I I did, uh, I had my whole face makeup done as Miguel from Coco. Because I play guitar like we've talked about. So I just bought a red hoodie, wore my guitar, and had my face done like him. And it was so much fun. It was so cool. So... David and I started talking just a little bit ago about what should we talk about for our non-sports section. And I started talking about this party, and then we were saying, oh, the music from that movie is so good. So we decided we're going to talk about our favorite movie music. So I'll start with Coco. Coco's great. If you haven't listened to that music, go do it. If you haven't watched the movie, what are you (laughs) waiting for? That movie's so good, and this is the perfect time to watch it. But the music is incredible. Spanish guitar and mariachi and all of that. It's amazing. But what what do you have for us, David? What's your favorite movie so, music? I, I really liked this idea because Bohemian Rhapsody came out uh, this weekend, this past weekend. Story of Queen slash Freddie Mercury. And, you know, these come out every couple of years, it seems like now, where there's some sort of movie that's coming back on on music groups that yeah. like the Justin like Bieber the Justin movie. Bieber movie uh Michael Jackson's this is it uh yeah <laughs> or you know straight out of Compton like the other one that came out two or two years ago I guess mm-hmm. it was now but uh you know they these are going to probably start coming out a bit more and it's probably going to happen way too often but you know it it was fun I fancy myself movies and music so any movie that's about a love affair with music is great and this was no exception queen's great in general so it it was just it was just a double whammy of greatness so i was i was all in for this topic because of that long story rambled on for way too longer but uh you know you're gonna talk about music you're gonna talk about john williams because Mm -hmm. he's just a great composer when it comes to movies and any one of his, the soundtracks movies where he's a composer, just you get all in, even if the movie is kind of just okay. One of star Wars prequels, garbage, the, the music, the music. duel of the fates. So uh, from episode oh, so one, good. the Darth Maul fight that, that music is fantastic. Garbage movie. Episode but. one. This, this is, this might be a little, controversial but episode one may have the best music of all the star wars movies it's so good. i also think it has the best lightsaber fight but oh, that, that yeah. last oh. fight with darth maul great lightsaber fight garbage movie great music yeah. great lightsaber fight but well and when that came out 
we were in what second or third grade yep. i remember being so pumped for that movie and i loved it i didn't realize that it was a bad movie until i was much older but it was perfect for for what it was when i was they, they did age. exactly <laughs> what they needed to was get kids to love it and that that's what happened easily but going with some other movies um you know the the avengers the theme not super standouty or anything but uh, partly because i just love those movies so much now whenever i hear that avengers theme i i get a little excited but actual marvel movie where the music great is great guardians of the galaxy the first oh, guardians yeah. of the galaxy oh, that yeah. soundtrack hit gold the second one also a great soundtrack soundtrack but the first one there was there was just something special about that soundtrack and google gave it out for free for a while on their play store and it's just a it's a really solid soundtrack for a movie and then on top of that um thor ragnarok which took a lot of cues from guardians of the galaxy they used the immigrant song and and it was just another great where you were able to infuse some of this music and alongside orchestral stuff and really make a movie that flows and is a lot of fun and partially because of the music yeah if we're gonna talk about movie music though we have to talk about danny elfman nightmare before christmas that music is so good and that's such a great movie because well i watch it year round (laughs) but you can watch it halloween or christmas and have it be fitting for the time so that that music is great anything he does is fantastic i i also want to talk about i mean you mentioned john williams already but i mean pirates of the caribbean really good music harry potter has great music lord of the rings has great music all of that orchestral stuff from those big movies star wars to all of that is so good you, you have to be able to appreciate that. I mean, I don't love classical music or but, anything, but you have to be able to appreciate that. He can build stuff. a moment. like th- th- That stuff just oh, builds sure. moments, that kind of music. Um, it's memed, as all get out, but Jurassic Park, I mean... Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. It just builds so much. Um, now I'm starting, to, I'm starting to draw a blank on movies, but... Uh, one that I have to absolutely talk about because it's one of my favorite movies that's come out recently is Baby Driver. That oh, I heard that. Movie's fantastic. the The entire movie is built around the soundtrack that it, that the main character plays as he's driving, basically. But the entire uh, the sound it, the soundtrack builds that movie, and it's so good. It's a it's an amazing soundtrack, and I love that movie great soundtrack it's perfect yeah i also want to give a quick shout out to the use of music and horror movies (laughs) basically i mean there's music can really make those movies and when you think about jaws or halloween or whatever you have those themes that everyone can think of just off the top of their head but one kind of dark horse that I think of. And this isn't like the greatest horror movie music of all time or anything, but I really liked the music in the woman in black, the remake they did with Daniel Radcliffe a few years back. The music was good in that. So I'm a big fan of horror movies and music can make a big difference. Yeah. And, uh, what was, I I can't remember the, the guy's name, but he did the music for, uh, inception and all that, that dude, 
oh, knows yeah, how yeah. knows how to use music to really build a scene up and be more epic than it always is. I can't remember his name right now, but just another one off the top of my head. Uh, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, yeah. Yeah. Anything he does, he's another John Williams type. Anything yeah. he does is going to be amazing. He's amazing. Felt like yeah. we, we had to at least say that if we are talking about music yes, and movies. Yes, for sure, for sure. All right, well, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Check back next week. Hopefully we have more exciting things to talk about. Thank you for listening, and go Suns! Are you ready? Oh, yeah!